Hey friends, happy Monday. A couple of announcements before I get into today's content. The first one is that I will be launching a new Clarity Academy. It's going to kick off August 23rd. Thursday or Friday this week, toward the end of this week, I will announce registration is live. It's a 10-week course, includes a couple one-on-one coaching calls and strategy sessions to really do a deep dive into your own personal psychology, your personal value system, and figuring out what do you need to do to cultivate a meaningful life? Because quite honestly, I think most people even if they were given a magic wand, wouldn't know where to wave it to get the things that they want because they don't actually know what they want because they don't actually know who they are. And so what's happening is we're operating off of a ton of societal implications and conditioning and expectations. And so if you want to dive into a curriculum that is designed specifically to weave through all of that Stay on the lookout. That will be live Thursday or Friday. Additionally, July 24th, I'm going to be competing in Physiology First Race for the Future. It's a 24-hour running event that they're holding virtually. Now, if you're in Maine, you could actually register and go run it with them. Uh, But you can do this from anywhere in the world. It's $50 to register, and doing so helps support the Physiology First mission, which is to bring these 21st century health skills to children. Because I think that we have a huge, huge problem right now, which is the world is rapidly evolving and our educational systems and our understanding of how we operate with the world is not evolving with it. We're still using outdated information to try to manage our own physiology and psyches. And if you want to get even deeper on that, there's a podcast I did just a couple of podcasts back with David Bidler, who is the founder of Physiology First. So I will link that up in the show notes of this episode. You can do it again from anywhere in the world. You don't even have to run for 24 hours. You could just use it to do a longer run that day to push yourself to set a PR. I have a two-mile loop by my house in Colorado. I'm going to park my car. I'm going to put an aid station in my trunk, and I'm going to just uh, run loops on this two-mile loop for 24 hours. Realistically, I'll probably only run about 10% of it, but I'm just going to use it as an opportunity to keep the body and mind going for 24 hours and, and just see how it goes. If you're in Colorado, I'd love to have you come join me for that. Uh, I'm going to be doing it in Centennial, Colorado, pretty close to my house. But again, if you're interested in pushing yourself, having some conversations about it, and of course, supporting a good cause, I would love to see you there. Again, I'll link that up in the show notes of this episode. Without further ado, on to the show. Welcome to another episode of Morning Coffee with your host, Rick Alexander. I started this show to talk about all of the interesting, complex, paradoxical, and sometimes uncomfortable aspects of the human experience. If you get anything from this show, the greatest compliment you could give me is to share this show with somebody that you think the message may resonate with or to head to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Additionally, if you want to interact with me, you can follow me at rickalexander underscore on Instagram. Without further ado, on to the show. So today I want to talk to you about the way that you talk to you. So let's talk a little bit about how we form our ideas about the world and how to be here. So at first we have caretakers, right? Teachers, parents, preachers, whoever 
whoever your parents, quite honestly, thought were important that you should listen to became somewhat of a caretaker for you. And what happens is they tell you how to be here. They give you patterns. They give you a manual for interacting with the world. And that manual is based on values, what they think is important, right? Now, one of the challenges as we grow older in life is actually figuring out whether or not we think what they think is actually important. Because it's likely that if you live your life in service to, a, to certain values and you don't actually hold those values, it's going to feel like internal division for you. It's going to feel like hell a little bit because you're truly not aligned with what you think is important. Now, as you're growing up, you're again, you're your caretakers are giving you an operating system. They're giving you a manual for how to be here. If this, then that. Do this, don't do that. All of these kind of things. Then you reach a point in life, starting at about two, ending at about 17, where you're really starting to push at the outer limits of reality. You're trying to figure out what does it mean to be here? What can I get away with? What does it mean to even be a self? And so then you're you're gravitating toward concepts that you think are important. You're looking at rules and pushing against them to try to see if they can bend or maybe you can break them. What's that like? What's the consequences of breaking these rules? And you find things that are important to you and you start to catalyze your identity around those things. Well, as you start to leave the nest, so to speak, and okay, so this is actually also one reason why it's really important to not have a helicopter parent because you actually do have to leave the nest. You actually have to get kicked out of the nest because you won't learn to fly any other way. And because life is inherently harmful and risky and dangerous and is going to end, you actually have to learn to manage that risk for yourself, to shoulder all of the dangerous parts of reality, so to speak. And so what happens is as you start to leave the nest and you start to poke back against reality, all of those external narratives that you've been getting from your caretakers become internalized. So one of the most important things you can do is go through your inner narratives, your inner voices, and figure out which ones are serving you and which ones aren't? Because oftentimes it's not your voice, right? It's your caretaker's voice that got internalized. And oftentimes uh, we had tyrants in our life or our family just didn't know how, the best way to incentivize the behavior that they wanted. So like one of the go-tos is withholding love. You see this in family dynamics all the time. It's not that they actually withhold love in an ultimate sense, like they don't love you anymore. It's actually more like, I'm going to give you the feeling that you're not accepted until you do behavior that I accept. And when that happens, you will find that you become that for yourself. So how does this play out in everyday life? Well, let's say you fall short of the mark, or let's say that you participate in some behavior that by your own definition you deem as something you shouldn't be participating in. So you're falling short of your own ideal in some way, and then what happens? The inner tyrant comes out. So you fall short of the, your own ideal, the inner tyrant comes out and then starts to berate you, belittle you, do whatever, withhold love from you because of the way that you acted. Now, unfortunately, because all of this is happening in, in you, there's a, there's a number of different dynamics at play. But one thing that's really important to understand about your inner world is that you have a picture of who you are in your head 
right? You're telling yourself a story about who you are, and then you're going to live that story out in the world. It's going to be reflected in your patterns and your habits and the way that you carry yourself. And so if you fall short of the ideal, and then you beat yourself up for falling short, so you learn to withhold love from yourself, what happens is that then you're also the person that's unloved. And so that's the pattern that you're going to live out. So what most people don't realize is that when that inner tyrant comes out, they think they need it. They think they have to have it. It's like, I won't be successful without it. Without realizing that that inner tyrant, that that withholding love for himself is perpetuating the behavior because you're not just the one that withholds love. You're also the one that's unloved. And so when you feel unloved, you're going to perpetuate and, be, and behave in a way that reinforces that narrative and that story. And so you end up in this situation where you're in a bit of a shame cycle when reality, what you need when you fall short of the mark, this is what everybody needs is grace, right? It is grace that makes up the difference between who you are and who you should be. And so when you give yourself grace, it's the exact opposite, the, the exact opposite of the tyrant. The tyrant who rules by an iron fist, who withholds love in order to get you to do what you want to do, and that narrative gets perpetuated in our family systems in Western culture constantly, again, because we're afraid, well, if I just accept myself for falling short, then I'm just going to let myself get away with the behavior. But that's not true at all. Because most of the time that we fall short in life, we're acting on bad information about ourselves. Nobody's choosing to suffer. Not, not if everything were equal. Not if they actually had the choice. The problem is that they're at the end of narratives that make them feel as though they don't have a choice, whether that's trauma or something else that's happened in their past. But it's important to understand that you're telling yourself a story and you're going to live that story out. And so if you withhold love from yourself, even if that's the pattern that you've learned before, it is the thing that ensures that the pattern continues. It is grace that presents the opportunity to invite you back into alignment with self. There's a really good story in the Gospels where this lady's about to, to be stoned. And this is that really famous line where Jesus says, if you are without sin, you can cast the first stone. And then when they look around, everybody else is left. And then he looks at her and he says, well, neither do I judge you. You know, essentially go and be free. And so what he did there is he extended grace to her in a society that was condemning her, that was going to kill her. And so imagine which one of these was actually potent for changing behavior. And now imagine that this story is taking place within you all the time. And though most of us have learned to pick up the rocks, have learned to disparage ourselves, have learned to withhold love from ourselves, it doesn't mean that it's the most effective way of getting through the world. The truth is that it's grace that invites us back into alignment with ourself. And it's the withholding of that loving acceptance, the withholding of the grace, withholding of love that keeps us perpetuating the cycle in the first place. And, you know, with any universal truth, you can see this playing out on 
damn near every level of analysis that you look for it. I mean, just think about the way that we treat convicts in this country. Like, you have to act a certain way to get love from the public, and if you don't, you end up in jail. But think about how that cycle perpetuates itself, how these cycles of crime continue. Nobody ever stops and just invites them back into the fold with grace. It is grace that invites us back in, and it is withholding love that keeps us out on the doorstep of our lives, perpetuating the same bullshit behavior at every level of analysis. And there's something really uncomfortable about giving ourselves grace, about meeting ourselves with compassion. So uncomfortable, in fact, that almost nobody does it, right? Most people, I really believe this, have an internal narrative that is much more of a tyrant than the than the Christ figure, right? Than the figure that just offers grace, that offers space to be accepted, though you fell short. Um, and so it's worth combing through your own internal narratives and asking yourself, well, how, do, how is it that I act with myself? Do I withhold love? And has that worked? And if I'm withholding love, if that internal tyrant is perpetuated for five, seven, ten years, it obviously doesn't work as good as it could be because it, it hasn't self-destructed. It continues to ensure its place in the hierarchy. And that's what our protective mechanisms internally do. They, they not only protect us, they ensure that they stay there. If it actually worked, I'd submit that you would evolve past it. The fact that you don't means it's actually not working. It's actually a repeating cycle. And so we have to become really aware of our repeating cycles so that we can disrupt the pattern, so that we can replace it with something else. And I think it's probably worth knowing on here too that this is one of the great things about having a coach or a therapist or someone like that, someone that can model that grace for you so that you can learn how to give it to yourself because most of us are just using the examples we've given and most people do not know how to love somebody at that level. They do not know how to love somebody to such a degree that they don't need that person to change for them, that they can accept them fully. I've met very few people like that. But it is the thing that's going to make the difference. It is the thing that invites us back into alignment with self and keeps us from having to repeat these same shame cycles that go on ad nauseum year after year without ever ending. The difference is grace. I love you guys. I hope you have an amazing day. We'll talk later on Morning Coffee.